Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. Listen to this. This is the tape I found downstairs. It has been a number of years since I began excavating the ruins of Kandar with a group of my colleagues. Now my wife and I have retreated to a small cabin in the solitude of these mountains. I believe I have made a significant find in the Kandarian ruins, a volume of ancient Sumerian burial practices and funerary incantations. It is entitled Naturan de Manto, roughly translated Book of the Dead. From the gnarled woods of Michigan to the sun-kissed skyline of L.A. We are Halloweenies! You said, I hope you understand when you read this letter that you're better off without me. Come surround me in stormy weather. Stormy weather. It always surrounds me. Happy Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, suspects, and deadites. I'm your host for today, Michael Maniac Ash Rothman, back in the saddle, talking sequels once again. This time, though, we're not flipping any scripts. No, 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 no. We're turning our spotlight on the often ignored fourth entry in a horror franchise. Why, you ask? Uh, Well, there's two reasons. For starters, (laughs) Stranger Things 4 is out now on Netflix, and uh, you know how the Duffers love to treat each season like a sequel. So there's one reason. But then... To kind of stay on theme with our current season that we're on, if you recall, we're talking about Evil Dead, we're pretty much at the point now in the franchise when people, and you know, when I say people, fans, we're saying, give me some uh, Evil Dead 4. Give me an Evil Dead 4. As we know, that didn't happen, and we're going to talk a lot about that in uh, the ensuing episodes uh, coming up, but right now, we're going to stop here. We're going to talk about our top 10 favorite part fours in a horror franchise. We make these lists as niche as possible, and uh, you heard it here. These are the def- these are the definitive best part fours in, in all of horror because three of us voted casually. Probably took five minutes to vote, but we did it. <clears throat> I, myself, I introduced myself. We're going to introduce the panel now that helped come up with these picks. Justin, say hello and tell us if you think four is too much for a franchise. What the hell? Hey, this is Justin Gerber, part four. And I I don't think it's too much at all. I always, I say, bring them on. You know, Uh for me, when you've got three movies, it's a a film series, it's a trilogy. But once you get to four, now we're talking franchise. We are. Now we are, now we're cooking. I mean, yeah, it's like like Randy Meeks over there. We're we're not doing, we're not doing hamburgers anymore, folks. We're making steaks. (laughs) We're making filet mignon. Yeah, because, you know, when we usually get to the fourth entry in a franchise, we're really cooking with the best meat possible. Oh, and, right? and these entries are the best movies I've ever seen in my life. So I'm looking forward to discussing them yeah, uh, in yeah. full. But no, to be, to be, I mean, look, honestly, we wouldn't be doing this podcast at all if, if we didn't have a, 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 an affinity for franchises, right? So it's true. This I, is true. I do like most of these movies. I genuinely like most of these movies. So I'm looking forward to talking about them. 
Well, I'm looking forward to talking about these franchise movies with you, uh, Justin, because that's what we do here on the Halloweenies podcast. And uh, if if you haven't subs- you know done so yet, please subscribe and like and uh, and rate and review us and uh, tell us if you like franchises as well. Uh, I know my next co-host loves franchises, Caffrey, coming in from Brooklyn. Uh, the news, Caffrey. Tell us, uh, actually, if we're going to stay on uh, on theme, if four. Do you think is that the best album from uh, Mr. Huey Lewis? If we're going to stay on four theme, oh, that's four, like F O R E, right? Like, yeah, four, yeah. Like well, golf. it works. It works. Yeah. You know? No, it's uh, is that his fourth album? Also, it'd be probably, probably not, it wasn't. right. He only has I, like two albums, doesn't he? Sports. I think it's because he's got sports and four as a joke because it's like a sports theme, right? So that's probably yeah. why it's called four. Not a yeah. big Huey Lewis guy, if I'm being honest. No, I, I don't. I mean, I don't hate him. I just don't know his discography very honestly. Most of what I know about him is from reading and watching American Psycho. Well, finally, let me ask you this question, Dan. Sure. Do you think that Huey Lewis was the name he chose because his birth name of Hugh Anthony Craig the Third <laughs> didn't really have a great ring to it? No, I thought he would not. be Hugh Anthony Craig the Fourth. Well, <laughs> and the news. Speaking of sequels, though, he's the third. So, oh wow! How about that? But yeah. he's not the fourth. He's not, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been that would have been just such nice. And by the scenes. way, it appears that four is indeed their fourth album, so that's is, quite yeah. kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. Which came out on the same in 1986, which is when uh, Jason Lives came out, not the fourth uh, Friday franchise. <laughs> I, I know that honestly, I know that uh, I know that he played harmonica for Elvis Costello at some point, like early Elvis Costello, which is kind of cool. Is that right? That, my honestly, I th- I feel like I maybe have talked about this on the podcast before. I probably have, but my my <laughs> biggest like the thing I think about when I think about Huey Lewis is and I don't know if this is what I'm about to say belongs to him or not, but I think about like, the movie Short, the Shortcuts. <laughs> He's oh. on a bridge pissing off uh, uh, he's like not not pissing off like he's literally pissing off of a bridge onto a uh he pisses on the dead body with his friends who are fishing and they find the dead body. But I don't know and I remember as a kid being like wow they're like actually showing a penis on camera with piss streaming out of it and it's Huey Lewis. But I feel like I read somewhere that it was fake like he didn't actually I'm going to go ahead and dick. say it was it was probably fake. You, you know, know I still have not seen Shortcuts and I really oh, want great. to. I love I love, I love Bobby Altman. Um Oh, and I it's, should say, sorry, my name is Dan Coscarelli Caffrey. Oh, uh, nice. Hint, hint. Um, yeah, I, I, I was actually surprised when I, we, were, we were on the episode about um, the flip the sequels scripts. that flipped the script. And we were able to think of a lot of good ones. But it, it was a little bit hard because I was trying to think of, well, are we thinking about sequels that are better than the original? What exactly are they doing? I was surprised how easy it was right off the bat to come up with not only a few really solid fourth entries, but fourth entries in really big franchises. Oh, yeah. We'll get yeah, to, yeah. Um, many of which you've covered on this podcast. So, I, yeah, I'm all about uh, horror movies getting to four. I will say, if you're going to get past four, you've got to be making some magic happen. Because I would be interested to see how many good like fives and sixes are there. Well, um, we, we will we'll we'll get there eventually. We'll find out when Stranger Things Season 5 drops. <laughs> that is true. Cross, unintentional cross-promotion exactly. with hey, Netflix's Justin, Stranger Things Season 5. Well, you that's look a good... Up s- if, if, that's who he loses his dick uh, before. You know, I, I forgot to Google that. My oh, algorithm. Well, I did, Google, I did Google Huey Lewis shortcuts, and the first thing it says is Huey Lewis pissing in shortcuts, which is now a Google <laughs> group, apparently. So I guess... Is there, is there a gift you know, for that? Uh, I, feel I like, guess his name is Vern Miller. That's correct. I, yeah. I feel like I'm either on this or the Losers Club. I feel like this has come up at some point. I'm getting severe deja vu. Like that, that like we've had this conversation. Maybe it was on the Losers Club somewhere, but I don't know why he would have come up there. I just I, um, it probably I, were you on the Back to the Future Losers Club episode? 
No, they're the, not. the Back to Future Losers Club episode. No, we've not done I that. Maybe one, there was but... a King's. Yeah, no, bonus we did not fucking do that. Uh, no, Jurassic no, no, Park. No. I don't know what's going on. We did do Jurassic Park, and we got a lot of guff for it, even though it is a novel, so it works. But we got a lot anyway. of guff because people hated the movie. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Saying. They're like, "Fuck this movie!" That you know, you know, Spielberg really went off the rails when he did yeah. Jurassic Park and the Losers. I wait. I have someone named Bundy Chanock in this Google group who supposedly worked on the movie Shortcuts. He said, the answer is no. I worked on Shortcuts. It wasn't Huey. It was a guy named Dean Mason. So I guess it was like a stunt double. That's oh, wait, wow. Dean Ma- wait, wait, Dean Mason? <laughs> the Dean Mason? Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that, you know, somehow, as we are wont to do on the Halloweenies, we managed to find a unpredictable tangent. Like, gun to my head this morning. Hey. I never <laughs> would have predicted we were talking about Huey Lewis's penis. Well, Mike, you know, as they say in the Halloween's podcast, <laughs> there are no shortcuts. <laughs> there are no shortcuts. Yeah, that's good. Great close the bit. We're, I have a, one quick question, though, because, mm. you know, we did do this because of Stranger Things 4, which is, you know, at this I, point... I was racking my brain all day today trying to think of, wait, why are we doing this again? Yeah. I, I forgot it's because we're trying to tie it into Stranger <laughs> It is. Well, this is, this is dropping on the Monday after uh, it's come out, you know. So, mm. you know, at that point, probably you've, you know, the two of you have probably seen it. I've seen all seven episodes that are going to be dropping this this Friday. I'm not going to spoil anything. I did want to ask, though, because we're recording this before it drops on Netflix this Friday, where's your hype level from one to four? One being, meh, four being... Well, I think my hype is, is a three. I've enjoyed the first three seasons. Yeah. I, I will tell you this. I will be goddamned if I'm going to spend this beautiful Memorial Day weekend indoors watching Stranger Things, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to figure out... Maybe I'll like watch one episode a day through next week or something like that. Because I'm not going to sit inside watching Stranger Things. I'm no, you shouldn't. No. Like, I mean, I, no, I so these are like 90-minute episodes. That's so. These are basically 10 hours yeah. of content, which is ridiculous. Make it yep. 13 episodes. Let me tell you. You know, I, I was going to say like Netflix needs to hear our suggestions, but apparently they do need to hear some suggestions. They do. They're, yeah. the, they're going down the toilet right now. Well, I mean... It's still the most, uh, you know. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I, I know they, that. Yeah, they're a giant conglomerate. It's like yeah. you know, like Target getting having a scandal, and then like the next day they, you know, they post their <laughs> second quarter, you know, numbers, and they're fine. But uh, Dan, I, I actually don't know if I've ever talked to, about Stranger Things with you. I'm, where where yeah, are you at on this? I feel like I'm a bit of an outlier on both pods. I watched the first two seasons. Even the first season, I liked. I don't think I've ever loved Stranger Things. I don't know. I. It's tough for me because I feel like in many ways it led the charge on nostalgia and homage and all that. And and in a weird way did it in a completely unique fashion with that first season especially. But I think because of everything that came after that, it's not bad to me. It's not like I watch it and don't like it, but it's hard for me to really emotionally connect to it, which feels like such a cop out for me to say, cause I'm the motherfucker who gets excited about like Jurassic world coming out, which is all just like nostalgia. the eighth movie or what is that? The sixth movie I think now in this franchise. Uh, God, yeah, yeah. I think so. Movie, right? Yeah. yeah six, well, plus no, the seven? Jurassic no, six, world, yeah. uh, the, the Canon cartoon series on Netflix. Oh yeah. yeah. Camp Camp Cretaceous. Cretaceous. But I, <laughs> I almost wonder what stranger I'm, things. It, it's, it's weird because it almost, it started the trend that burnt me out on what it started, if that makes sense. And so yeah, it's hard. Fair. It's and so yeah, I have I didn't watch season three. You know, I know Hopper has like a, a on Hawaii no, hey, no shirt and a mustache. <laughs> that's yeah. all. That's all. Well, you know, it's like it's so, like I, lo- I love old, I, when I was growing up. I love Blink One Eight Two, but they also brought about like the awful pop punk uh, posers. Talk about good alliteration. Camp Crustaceous. Yeah, like, hey man, I like something corporate. I like Midtown. No, uh, I'm talking uh, about the like simple plans, like the simple plans like of the yeah, world. That shit you know? sucks. 
Uh, no Big offense, anybody who's, no offense. No, but I feel like I don't know. Not that I'm hesitant to shit on Stranger Things because I, I I feel like I almost should watch it because of the podcast we're on because it's so culturally culturally relevant. And I know so many people who love it, present company included. I, I don't want to feel like I'm yucking anyone's yums, you know. But yeah, it's never. Never really I don't know. I don't me. think you need to watch yeah. Stranger Things before you read Duma Key. Yeah, or before you right. watch like <laughs> Evil Dead remake. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. we're okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. I think we're, we're going to be fine. I know, Mike, I don't want when you spoil your opinion on it, but even, you, I guess maybe a better question is going into, because you've seen most of it, going into these episodes dropping, seeing them in advance, what was your hype level at? Because I feel like you're the biggest I mean, it was, fan it, out of us. It's weird because going in, if I if I was you know to do a one to three scale for the third season, because you know we, we I chose four, if you didn't notice, because it's Stranger Things 4. Mm. Um, but <laughs> so if I had to choose my hype level for, for the third season, it was at like a, a five out of three. Like I was through the roof. Like I couldn't uh, wait. 166%. It was huge. This one, I, I, my, my, my mantra going into this, um, you know, uh, it was basically, can this season prove that it needs to exist beyond the ending, which I thought was quite perfect at the end of season three. I thought they had a great landing, a great ending, you know, and then they kind of pulled their punches with the, the after credits thing, which is you know, to their their benefit, it, you know, it was immediately, so they couldn't say, well, you know, we, we had this plan from the get-go, because they did. Um, mm-hmm. But they, did. They, they, did. they had a great landing there, and I don't know if they can kind of surpass that, and I don't know if they can kind of surpass the, the heights that they reached while also expanding, uh, while also, you know, dealing with the expansion that they were having with 3, because the expansion here is colossal. It's, it's huge. And you know, handpick any review out there right now that just dropped because the embargo lifted this past Monday. And they all say the same thing that it's, you know, bloated comes up a million times and they're not wrong. There's a lot here. The, the, the run times of the episodes are, are, are egregious almost. But the thing is, is that, you know, the fan side in me, that's not, you know, wearing the critics hat likes being in this world. And, and it's kind of one of the reasons why I think, you know, when you look at this list that we have coming up, you can kind of make the same argument with a lot of these sequels. It's like, yeah, I might not love these sequels, but I like the fact that we're back in this world, and I like some of the swings that they went for. And I think that's ah, a good, good seg. Good you transition. Know? You know, good because because when we think about fourth films, you know, like what are some things that you have to do? I mean, like with Stranger Things four, obviously the conceit for them was we got to go bigger, and we had to go darker. We kind of had to go wilder. Would you say that's pretty emblematic of the list that we have coming up? I think that there are. I think that all ten of these have their own unique concepts to them. Yeah. I think that you can kind of pick them apart from one another. They're not, they're not just part fours of a franchise, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. diving into that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, as as listeners will see in just a bit. I mean, I feel like there are entries that are more about being a back to basics approach. There are ones that are about expanding the world. There are a few that are about doing something completely different. Um, yeah, there are definitely a few like about doing stuff the, the exact same. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As we'll discuss on that one too. But one of the things I wanted to kind of, you know, pivot just real quick because, you know, before we get into the official list, again, remember, this is the definitive best part for us. So you'll never find a better top 10 list for this. this and there's the no reason stamp. people even like argue it because no. it's like arguing is the sky blue. Who cares? Yeah. It's the sky's you know, blue. Yeah, exactly. Waste your time. Oh, totally. So one question I had is, you know, we're talking about Evil Dead this, this, this year. Mm. Doesn't have a part four, technically. You know, it really doesn't like, you know, it, it did a reboot. It did a remake. It had the series. I think Got the it. series to me is the part four. 
I know, but you, but an official part four, it's not really there. Sure, sure, sure. So it made me wonder, could you think of any other franchises, and this is probably spoiling our list, but any other mm. franchises that didn't make it to part four? Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. I guess if the remake doesn't count either, because I don't think Black that was a You know what? I would consider that, but it really isn't a part four. I couldn't, it would have been a cheat to put it on here, but I, yeah. I would have, because I do like that movie quite a lot, actually. I- I was going to say Black Christmas, but I guess Black Christmas technically doesn't have a part two either, right? No, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of ones. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, does Sleepaway Camp have a part four? They're, they ended up doing one years later, and and I believe Jessica Rose came back. Oh, wow. Uh, no spoilers. My heart will uh, always be with you know those sequels with Pamela Springsteen, sister yeah. Bruce Springsteen. As those are fun. Those are fun. Angela. I didn't see uh, Rings. Is Rings the third or the fourth? Well, there's only three Ring rings. Movie. Only, only three, three rings. rings. I'm trying to think of other ones. Like... And, and, and good. And I got news for you though. That's enough. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, That's enough. Yeah, I, I really, I, I really was kind of racking my brain with it. I mean, because. Anyway, yeah, that's it for and me. When there's money to be made, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. That's true. That is true because we've got a we've got a lot of them that are on this list too that did make it to part four that they're in contention. We could probably mention those after we're done. But look, we got a list to make. So, hmm. gentlemen, shall we broaden our minds? <laughs> Number <laughs> ten, you already uh, kind of teased it, Caffrey. Phantasm Four from 1998, the last of the Coscarelli directed films. Kind of feels like a return to form in a way the the second and f- third films aren't because those are a little bit more glossier, a little bigger production. I would argue this one kind of feels a little bit more DIY for like the the, the first one, and I think it's kind of clever how they use the, the old footage. But um, what do we? Why is this our number ten? I know the most critical of this movie is probably uh, Justin here, uh, right? I mean, I, I feel you're not crazy about this one, right? Yeah, I, I'm not. It's uh, I'll get my criticisms out of the way, I guess. I just, usually I'm, I'm a real stickler for, you know, sticking with the original actor throughout these franchises. You know, you don't, you don't replace the cast as you go along, but like, I love James Legros and I, I would not have been averse if he just took over the role of, of Mike from mm-hmm. a Michael Baldwin, who, yeah. to be fair, this movie is basically just him driving through the desert for 90 minutes. <laughs> it is, yeah. And the unused, the unused footage is a great idea because it's not, it's not like um, Hills Have Eyes Part 2 or Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 where you're just recycling footage yeah. from the earlier entries. I just think that you can, it only works for so long. And, and even in, I think this movie is actually shorter than 90 minutes. It just kind of felt really repetitive after a while. So, uh, yeah, I'm not a really big fan of of this entry. But I do love the fact that for the title Oblivion, they do incorporate the IV Roman numeral for four. They do. I did. For, I forgot to mention that I it was Phantasm that. Oblivion. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that. I, I was trying to rack my head also, just like, were there any other sequels that used old footage? Like, like what, unused footage. Unused like you footage. mentioned, you I guess, mentioned uh, like, you know, flashbacks. Halloween Resurrection technically, right? <laughs> with, with the opening. Wasn't that film during H2O that oh. of Michael putting on the, the yes. EMT outfit. I'm pretty sure it was. That was filmed during H2O production. Oh, that would God. Count. What? That, that's a well, great how about example. This? But you mean like footage that was meant to be in the that was meant to be in the previous entry and not mm-hmm. filmed for future use? Yeah, like, like I was yeah, thinking yeah, of the okay. Karate Kid. Like, is is the is part two's ending? Do they use the, the or beginning? Is that from yeah, the original? Yeah, that ending? was supposed to be the original ending. I know, but did they re, did they actually redo it or no, reuse it again? That for was two? filmed during Karate Kid. Okay, but then they reused it for they part reused two. Then. It, yes. Oh wow. Yes. Okay, so then that that works then. Yeah. 
I'm just thinking of like stuff that made the cutting room floor. And then, I mean, especially with this, this was like 98. So this is now, God, like 20 something years after, or no, it was a, a little, it was about 19, hey, King's Dominion, after the, uh, after Phantasm. So it's pretty wild that they were like, hey, we have all this old footage. Cause I mean, if you look at the production history for Phantasm, it's pretty ex- expansive. They, mm. they, they took a while to make it. So they probably have like Caddyshack levels of footage there where it's just like hours and hours. So, you know, maybe they can make a Phantasm 6. But Caffrey, you had this pretty high up too. What, do you, what are your thoughts on Phantasm 4? Oblivion. Yeah, or- I totally agree with what you're saying about this feeling. Not necessarily like the first movie it's a bit more of a road movie than the first one is but Mm -hmm. it does have that kind of intimacy that simplicity just a few locations that the first movie does and then obviously the unused footage all right so i have a question because i i watched all the phantasm sequels growing up there's a line that reggie says and i could have sworn it's in this one but i think it's in part two about the woman the the woman who seduces the other dude Mm -hmm. I'd have to rewatch both of them to see, but I always thought it was really funny when I was a kid where like Reggie's warning him and he's like, he says something like, no, don't do it, man. You're thinking with the wrong head. I remember him saying that, but I looked up that quote and I found it in Phantasm 2, not 4, but it's funny because I remember it being in 4 about the woman who has like the sphere, the death ball thing, like in her dress or whatever. Can you guys confirm? I haven't seen you like really sat down and watched either one in quite a while, but it looks like it's from part two. I know, yeah. it's so weird. I, I like, honestly, part of why I put for, uh, part four so high on this was because of that. I just think it's a funny line. And <laughs> uh, Mac and I, uh, we wrote this play that I put it in one time just out of nowhere because I, I thought it was funny. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, I do, I, and I don't love this movie the way I love some of the other uh, part fours on this list that we'll be talking about. But I do, if you were going to tell me the first time I saw Phantasm, yeah, the fourth one's pretty good. I would not have believed you just because it's such a bonkers movie from the get go. And honestly, I don't I don't remember much about two and three, which is weird. I can't say that for many other horror franchises where I remember the first one really well and then the fourth one pretty well. I'm not um, a big fan of them. Yeah. Like I, I I think a lot of it is the fact that it's that DIY thing. Like the thing I love about Phantasm is that it feels like a backyard movie, right? It's but it feels oh, totally. like a good backyard movie. Like it feels like what producers in Hollywood thought when they saw Salt mm. and Precinct 13. When they're like, holy shit, like the production mm. value looks great even though it was a low budget movie for the most part, like, like Carpenter made like a a really solid looking gorgeous movie out of like pennies. And I feel like you kind of make the same argument with the original phantasm. Like the fact when you look back and see how much money they had and how little resources they had, I mean, it's, it's pretty inventive. And I think that ingenuity is what I always love about it. I also love how freewheeling the, the, the story is like, I, in a perfect world, there's no sequels to Phantasm because I think it's actually just a really great one and done. Like, hey, this is a really this is a really weird fucking movie, and the mythology doesn't make a lot of sense because we were kind of making it up as we go. <laughs> and I think that's kind of also the novelty of the franchise itself. Like, Cat Blackard and I used to always joke that at the end of every Phantasm movie, it answers questions from the previous movie, but then gives you like thirty more, and then you, you yeah know, you look you have to wait for the next sequel to kind of understand what the fuck even just happened, and you know, in as a kid watching the, those those movies, I love that. Not so much as an adult, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of like the idea that it ends at one. I don't know. I, with this one, I think that I, I think there's also a sentimental value to this film because I remember when it came out. I remember when it was like '98, so it was right around when I was starting to find my own with like horror as well, just because it was in the lead up to H2O and what have you. But I just remember like just binging this series kind of appreciating the fact that it did actually haul like call back to that first one because i felt like the sequels kind of yeah they do but 
they just feel so removed production wise. I don't know. Sorry, that's a long winded way of discussing why I think that two and three just doesn't work for me as well. But well, and I like what you said about the backyard movie thing because we saw that remaster that yeah the restored print that J.J. Abrams came out and introduced, and I really loved it not just because he was there, but the way he was speaking about Phantasm was, oh, how it inspired him as a kid. It has that, when you look at something like Super 8, right? I mean, yeah. I, there's the Spielberg influence, of course, but then I'd argue it's also as indebted to the works of Don Coscarelli and, and Phantasm specifically, because it has that vibe. Of, I mean, it has the kids on bike uh, vibe about it, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like um, Amblin before Amblin, if you think yeah, about it. Cause, whereas you know, 4 has the men, men in the desert or men on the road <laughs> vibe. It does. It. It, what's, what's weird about the... This movie is that like I, I guess like it was supposed to be something different because I, I feel like the what ifs of of Phantasm are are just as interesting and and wildly surprising as they as the franchise itself. Like I believe like Roger Avery was supposed to had like a script that was that they wanted to do for the fourth one. It was like Bruce Campbell is going to be in it. It was going to be like this post apocalyptic thing, and obviously that didn't happen. And it was going to cost way too much money, and and that was a wrap on that. But I don't know. I think the the the, the what ifs of this franchise are. are in hindsight, probably more interesting than what we actually get sometimes. Well, I think said, the biggest what if would be like, what if, uh, what if I ever see Phantasm Five? Will ever? Oh, happen? I know. Well, that's the thing. It's not. <laughs> you know, Coscarelli didn't even come back for it. Reggie Bannister's fun to watch and everything, and they get some you know the old call stars and stuff. But I don't know. I guess I guess this is kind of like this is where I would stop. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> like, Although Ravager once again took advantage of the Roman numeral V for five and the Ravager hmm. title too, so yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Have you seen Ravager, Caffrey? <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty cool to be honest with you. Yeah. Wait, Ravager? Yeah, it's Fantastic. the fifth one. The fifth one? No, I don't think I have actually. Oh, I thought I, I saw all. The, wait, wait, didn't Mac watch it like a little while ago? I feel it like it came out a few it's years rough. ago. It's yeah, rough. I haven't yeah. seen. Yeah, I feel like it was one of those things everyone was was really hyped for, but uh, but was not. Um, I, I feel like people saw it and it was like, yeah, it was pretty kind of like that new Pee Wee movie that came out, you know? Like, I, I oh, forget was, that exists. I know. Yeah, and it's not bad. It's just kind of yeah, it's not. The yeah, same. I don't know if it deserves the level of hype that uh, that it got. Which well, we also saw South by that year. Well, that's just so weird about these like sort of legacy sequels to like undercarriage franchises. Like you know, I, I keep thinking about like you know, I see Bill and Ted Face the Music pop up. Not a bad movie. It was actually pretty enjoyable yeah, and, pretty I, and I liked it. I'm never Did probably going to watch it. Watch it? Like, I would agree. You, you know, I, I'd probably watch Bogus Journey before I watch that. And uh, to be fair, I actually like Bogus Journey a lot. But I do too. Um, it's it, just it weird. Make you cry though? The new Bill and Ted. No, I mean, oh, speaking for Mike, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was crying Sorry. for 90 minutes. I, yeah. I cried at the trailer. The only reason I won't watch it again is because it's too emotional for me personally. I mean, I feel like I just don't. Wanna, I don't have, I don't have that many tears. I don't have any more tears to cry. To be honest, well, with you. when we get Phantasm, um, I'm trying to think of what would be good for a six, like VI. Oh, you just call Oblivion again. Oblivion but just again. Use the VI <laughs> instead of the IV. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh my God, Oblivion two. Uh, Phantasm <laughs> Oblivion two. So it's a six with the also the two yes. at the end. You know when they redo, uh, they bring in that like CGI Angus Grimm and you know knowing that it's only going to have like a $300,000 budget so it's going to be like the most like you know plasma-esque like looking you know Angus Grimm that pops up I know there are going to be tears, and I'm going to be like, "This is I'm right back to '98 when when." when well, nowadays with these the way these freak producers work, they'll just they'll just <laughs> CGI Angus Scrim on the screen again, and they will say, "Oh, it's it's him. He's back." It's like no, yeah. it's, he's been dead for years, yeah. and now you're just repurposing his CGI body to get some type of a nostalgia thrill because you're free. He's to in feel Ravager, anything. right? He, he yeah, was it's not, pretty. Eh, it's rough. like two seconds or something. Yeah, it's like that. pretty rough. It's free on Peacock. Maybe I'll give it a spin. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's far worse things that we've we've you know been forced to watch. 
What about number? Oh, well, I, I, I have one last question. I guess we mm. kind of answered already. Probably much the, the the cap for these is uh is this franchise dead? Because I honestly yes. I can't dead. imagine this being rebooted. Right? Dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's too singular. It, it's too. It's we say that right, but I, I would no. First of all, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did remake this or try to remake this in three years. Like, but I think in my heart of hearts, I think it's dead. I don't think there's anything else you can do. I anytime I say that, I have to remember. Oh, they remade it happened or about last night. You know, they remade <laughs> death at a funeral. Like <laughs> that's true. It's like Jesus yeah. Christ. I, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know. I feel like they're well. No, I could. Look, I could I see think there all being a these reboot. movies we're going to talk about. Yeah. Before we're fingers crossed, before we're dead, there will be reboots or sequels at some point. I do believe that. Because we've already started running of ideas, so now they're really going to start mining stuff for the next 10 years. Yeah. But in my heart, there's nothing else for Phantasm to do, and it is dead. No more sequels yeah. for Phantasm. That's where I stand. Yeah. Well, let's move on to number nine. Now, this, this entry will not... We will not be discussing this entry for 15 minutes. Yeah, okay. I, well, I promise you. <laughs> what, is the, what is the entry? This is Puppet Master 4. <laughs> 1993's Puppet Master 4, that was actually shot back-to-back with Puppet Master 5. Mm-hmm. That's what Full Moon used to do a lot. They did that with subspecies. They did that with transfers for a couple of those entries as well. And a couple fun facts for you Jason Take Manhattan fans. You know the lead of that movie, The Hunk? Uh-huh. You know his friend that didn't have any dialogue? Yeah. Who gets killed by Jason, I think. I think he just drowns, actually. Like, it's unceremonious. He is the lead of Puppet Master 4, Gordon Curry. Oh, interesting. Is he related to Sherry Curry? He is... Uh, what's Sherry? Who's Sherry Curry? Sherry Curry uh, from the, the Runaways? Oh, no. But he's not also... He's not, mar- he's not related to Madam Curry. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. But to be fair, all joking aside, his favorite food is curry. Oh, wow. How about that? Well, hopefully <laughs> uh, he stops by Chicago because we've got some great restaurants here in this uh, wonderful we Windy City. We do. I love it. We've got great Indian food here. Yeah, there's some great Indian restaurants. In there Chicago. really are. I love can them. I, can I talk real quick about... You love puppets. I, I, I was a big puppet head. Puppet yes, please. Didn't you have so, ways to know? I still have them. I, have oh, I, own, I, own, I own Torch, Six Shooter, Blade, Tunneler, Leech Woman, Pinhead and Jester, the whole Sweet. gang, the OG. The original so game, I went through huh? a period wow. where I was really into Puppet Master. I still am uh, in middle school, and I got all the toys. Love the first two movies. You could argue the third movie is the puppets are kind of heroes, but they're also they're being created and they're being used as tools for vengeance. And, I know and by the way, they're also fighting Nazis, so that kind of <laughs> makes it like it's, it's like yeah. you can't be that bad for fighting the Nazis. Yeah, true. Exactly. that's true. And my issue with four. I remember when buying the toys, they had the totems. They were mm-hmm. these action figures. Mm-hmm. I said, what the fuck are these little things? They don't even look like the puppets. Are they puppets? Are, are they aliens? Are they what? And I was really disappointed to watch this one because I the whole angle is, oh, when bad puppets go good. And it just did not work for me, man. Like I said, I was all about them killing the Nazis and doing Andre Toulon's bidding. I think the third one is quite excellent. I didn't love how the... Where they're not even they're not aliens they're like demons the totems right I didn't like they're how not, yeah they're not puppets they were like it's actually this one was originally called Puppet Master Four the Demon mm. oh that's yeah no that's very right and they and 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 the fifth one brings the totems back too and for me it just, I don't know maybe maybe I should give it a another watch I might appreciate it now especially given where the franchise went after this oh god um, although I hear uh, Littlest Reich is really good so anyway he, I'm, I'm I I I don't know I don't think Rothman likes that one I know Vanderbilt hates it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I liked it. I actually few, liked uh, that one. I, I need to really, revisit. Really, 
It's something though. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, I will say that. I'm, I'm I'm behind a few. Uh, I'm behind a few puppet master entries. Well, they, well, here's the thing about this though. Another reason I like this one is because I'm pretty sure, even with by part, this is the last one that is totally original footage, special effects wise yes, of the close of, of the puppets. Because I I think that even by the fifth one, because they were shooting back to back. I think that all the close-ups are just recycled footage from the first four movies. Jesus yeah, and Christ. Then, and then I think it's the sixth one is like really, so flashback heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Or they just like any, any close-up, every moment of anything, any movement is, uh, is from the older ones. Going back to four after that one, after part six, I might appreciate it a little bit more and be like, okay, they were trying. And hey, we talked about, right, how do you keep a franchise alive? How do you mm-hmm. keep it going? It did introduce something completely different to it. And I yeah. do like um, uh, Decapitron uh, quite a bit. He, that's like a cool introduction to this one. It's sort of the Toulon evil. I book. just thought for, it was a good. We talked about twisting it up, right? By the time these movies keep going on, this absolutely twists it up. I mean, these, these puppets are good throughout this entire movie. They're Here's not, in a half shell. They're not, bad. The way, They're not bad. The way you're, you, the way you said that made it sound like you're just saying how awesome they are. Like these are good puppies. These, these are guys good are guys. the best. These guys these and are, gals are the best. At the end of the day, these are who we look up to or look down to. If you mean, if you you know, if we're getting really literal about it, I, I, <laughs> I honestly, the, I didn't even vote for this one because the Puppet Master franchise just like is like a big smoothie for me. I, I they all just blend together. I need to revisit them. I used to watch them like crazy as a kid. The guy with the red. Uh, sweater used to scare the shit out of me. Though. A pinhead? Yeah, pinhead. I think it's pinhead. Yeah, he looks kind of like uh, Mike Airman Trout a little bit. From <laughs> he does. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you something about my who's the who's the guy that they always too long. Let me or die in peace. Toulon's dead, <laughs> um, and I'm around. <laughs> I have a question though. This is directed by Jeff Burr. Do you know that name? Do you recognize that name? Well, he's uh, a big guy because he's uh, the father of Bill Burr. Oh, no, I'm just joking. No, he's not the father of Bill He's Burr. directed like a shitload of horror movies, and I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to ask, is this his best movie? Because he's got a lot of sequels. He's a sequel guy. I'm not going to go through his whole fucking well, obviously filmography. Puppet Master 5. He did Bus- Puppet we, Master 5. We absolutely and, discussed briefly. And by the way, Puppet Master 5 will not be in our best five? Part 5's episode. Okay, so then no, this is definitely for- better than Part 5. Yeah. Okay, is this better than uh, Stepfather 2? Because I like Stepfather 2. Stepfather 2, I got to rewatch that. Terry O'Quinn is always great. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's fine for what it is. It's pulp. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I would argue it's better than Texas 3, Texas Chainsaw 3, because she also did, which I think is one of the most boring sequels of all time. Yeah, I don't like that. Is it better than Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings? I'd say yes, because I think Pumpkinhead 2 is kind of a, a shitty movie. I've never seen Pumpkinhead 2. I love Pumpkinhead 1 so much. I am much stunned that. that you have not seen Pumpkinhead 2, Dan. Yeah. You know, even as a kid, I think reading the, oh, he's got wings, that's the thing. Like, I was like, no, thank you. It's Although like I did, I did like Tremors 2, where they get legs. Hey, it's starring um, Fred Ward, who yeah. uh, RIP, who was also uh, on that bridge with Huey Lewis, I will say. Shortcuts. Oh, wow. Shortcuts. So, there you go. Oh, well, we're back. Shortcuts, currently available on yeah. uh, one of the Nowhere. I can't I find know, it anywhere. I can, it was not. on Criterion Channel for a while. It's, it's hey, man, gone. look at yeah. I'm telling you. TV Duck, one, two, three movies, great website. <laughs> hey, yeah, great. I'm afraid to get, I don't want to get viruses on my phone. Or I know, computer. seriously. <laughs> uh, That's all you, you know, viruses, they take you to a, a, a certain place. Uh, mm. they, they, they send your computer to the inferno. And... Uh, Synonymous. So close. With hell. <laughs> uh, what can I say? Uh, number eight. Dan, what is number eight? Number Marilous. eight. We have, 
a little movie. Well, actually, you know, it is my lucky number, but I shouldn't be the one who introduces because I've never seen it. This is Hellraiser. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I I do know the general. I'm a big Hellraiser fan. I know the. Yeah, I say that, but I'm like, I haven't. Yeah, you've never seen Bloodline. I know. I'm an (laughs) asshole. Well, because the first three are kind of a, in my opinion, like a perfect trilogy. Yeah. But Bloodline, I know, because it's almost like an anthology format, right? I was going to say it is. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it cool. takes, it's kind of the um, the time traveler's wife of its era. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it takes, it sounds absurd, right? It takes place in the future, I think on a space station or spaceship. But it works, and, though. And it, and it talks about like the creation of the, config, the limit of configuration. Mm-hmm. It goes for like, I think the 1800s or earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the, like Fantastic like, Four, too. Yeah, to 1996 when the movie comes out and then to the future. Production hell. I think the original cut was 110 minutes. They whittled Jesus it down to Christ. 85 minutes. They inserted more Pinhead. But I always kind of liked this movie. I did too. Maybe because his reputation proceeded so poorly that my expectations were so low. And it's fun fact, Evan Yeager, who we talked about many times on this podcast, most notably a lot of his Elm Street work, he directed it, it took his name off of the movie. So it's an Alan Smithy movie. But guess who came in and saved the day and and and, and did a bunch of the uh, recut and uh, reshoots? A familiar face among Haddonfield, uh, Mr. Joe Chappelle. Mr. Joe Chappelle, yeah, no stranger to production hell the year before and uh, Chris what and a, Michael Myers. What an awful two years for Joe Chappelle, right? Dimension like, Films, <laughs> and Joe Chappelle. You know? Me like, did the wire right after that. To so be fair, it's right. like I guess I'll have to go do the wire for a while. It was yeah. one of the greatest shows of all time. To be fair, that was like what six years after because the wire starts in what the early aughts. That's right? true. But he did a lot so, of TV work leading up to that. He, listen, he did Phantoms. You know, he was doing fine. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> was, I, I actually don't money. mind Phantoms. Phantoms has been on Pluto TV. Kind mm. of a fun movie. Will I ever see Phantoms? Will, Fan- will I see Phantoms before I see Phantasm 5? Have you Ravager? not seen Phantoms? Oh, no. Phantoms is pretty good. I think it is. I like really? it. It's fun stuff. Yeah, it's fun. It's a good, it's a good like late 90s cut and dry genre film, I think. I really, well, I'll I just it. say this about Hellraiser Bloodline. Is Adam Scott is in this movie. Yep. And it may be his. It's not. I think it might be his film debut. Not as. T, not as. I think he's been TV shows before this, but it might be his film debut. His first. His first major film role. Is there you what, go. Uh, the official word on Wikipedia says. Baby-faced Adam Scott's in this, but look, I, I thought I haven't seen it in years and years. That was pretty good. Yeah, pretty it's good, fun. and that's saying a lot because then after this, though, the dip. That's what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. Severe. There's that's. It's been over 25 years since there's been a good Hellraiser movie. Before, find out, you know. Let's see. We got we got Hellraiser show and Hellraiser movie coming out. So who the hell knows what's going to happen next? I mean, we don't know. I, I have a question for you though, since you've seen it. Hmm. Is this better than Event Horizon for you? In terms of Hell and Space movies, is it better? Because I know you're the most critical look, of Event already, Horizon. I, I'm an outlier here. I, hey, dude, I'm not a big Event Horizon fan. I think it's for me personally. Yeah, I have not seen Bloodline in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. I would have it on par with Event Horizon, which I think okay. is pretty good. It's a pretty good movie with some great scenes and a great ending. All right, follow up that's question. My, that's my Event Horizon. That's all I got to say. All right, well, that's fair. That's fair. Is, I recommend is, it. To be, you know what? I recommend Event Horizon. Okay. Well, I have one more question, franchise-related, <laughs> and we could all answer this. Even, mm. Caffrey, if you haven't seen Bloodline, I think you can answer this, too. We've seen Leprechaun in space. We've seen Jason oh. in space. <laughs> oh. Is this is why is Pinhead the only one that really works for space? Like I, I can't think of anyone else that you know. That actually... I, I figured this out, and honestly, you go also the same thing about Leprechaun because he's also mystical. Yeah, but when you think about the the box, you can take the box anywhere. Yeah, in the galaxy. So why not have it end up in space somehow uh, in the future? That makes sense to me. 
I think too because Pinhead's powers and just his personality and presence and just his definition, it comes from other dimensions in a way. I mean, I guess hell isn't technically another dimension, but yeah. it feels like another another level of Earth, right? That's a good so point. So I feel like the yeah. fact that he comes from hell and dwells in hell and is able to traverse different spheres, it makes sense that he would find his way to space. Totally. I know Hellraiser isn't cosmic horror in the way that H.P. Lovecraft is, but if they introduced that element, it wouldn't feel out of place to me. I think he just has time and space bending abilities that other uh, movie killers don't. So it doesn't feel like such an outlandish stretch for him to go there. Well, I will say to a certain extent, this this does take place in a, in a strange dimension. Dimension Films <laughs> did produce this movie. So there you go. Uh, all right. Well, take lucky number seven. Or should I say lucky number seven? No, I don't even know why I made that joke. It's a, does nothing to do well, with you, their you made it because yeah. I think, wasn't Josh Hartnett in, in lucky number seven? Yeah, he is. But he's not and in he's this of course, one. star of Dimension Films. Oh, H2O. Um, the faculty. And the faculty. And H2O. And H2O. Yeah. So there you go. He's definitely gotten a check that says Dimension Films on it. Well, this next movie we're going to talk about <laughs> easily could have had the title Saw Oblivion. Yeah, that's true. And you could use the IV for four once again, because we're going to be talking about Saw 4. I binge-watched the Saw movies last year, mm-hmm. because there wasn't a lot to do in early 2020. If, if you, anybody here can remember that. <laughs> wow, how about that? But So the issue I had was trying to remember what happened in Saw 4, other than the fact that I remember I liked the entry. So I go to Wikipedia, <laughs> and I was like, oh, because here's the thing I love. I love about the Saw movies, whether they're great, or I should say great, whether they're fun or awful. And even the awful ones are pretty fun. The commitment to continuity mm-hmm. is something I think is yes. just great. Genuinely great. Genuinely great. As absurd as the continuity gets, and trust me, by this point in Saw 4, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> the continuity is out of control. But they have total faith in the fans of the series to figure out what's going on. And even, honestly, like a kind of a fuck you. If, you, if, you, if you've not seen the first three entries, then good luck. You should yeah, go watch exactly. the first three entries. And I kind of like that, you know? Me too. Yeah. And I guess we're spoiling movies here, right? No, don't spoil too much, but the continuity is pretty impressive yeah. in these movies. This stands out from the other nine entries because of how they do the continuity. I'll put well, it that way. Well, look, and I'll, let you, I'll, I'll pivot right to you, Caffrey, but it is interesting that, you know, they had Casas Mandalore as Mark Hoffman. Who was introduced in Saw 3. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, Agent Mark Hoffman. Agent Mark Hoffman. And then they thought, all right, well, we need more leads. So why don't we get a guy that looks almost identical to Costas Mandalore? And his name is Scott Patterson, best known as uh, Luke from the Gilmore Girls. Great character on Gilmore Girls. Who no plays joking. Peter Strom here. And uh, I excuse me, to, Mike, it's Agent oh, Strom. Agent Peter Strom. And it's it, it's it's ludicrous how much they look alike and how they're supposed to be foils against each other. It's fucking and, ridiculous. And, and during all these interrogation police, I've always said it looks like the setting of Red Shoe Diaries yeah. police stations. <laughs> like it's like the the, the lighting it's, is really strange. I don't know. It's not really a Dutch angle so much as it's like a I don't know. Like an, an Irish angle. They all look like they've been filmed in like WeWorks. Like that's what's so <laughs> insane about these movies. Caffrey, like, sorry. The exercise no, I, I was, some wooden chairs. Yeah. I didn't know if, you're, if that's what you're going to say or not, but the, when talking about Strom and Hoffman, I mean, they're Strom. like, when watching the movies, I can't even say I was like, it's so stupid. It, it's it, ridiculous. Literally, it's not even Bizarro version. I would be like, oh, it's like the dark version. I'm like, no, it's literally just the same two motherfuckers and one yep. of them likes people to die and one of them doesn't. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much it. I, but I love it, though, because their rivalry is so intense. 
but they're both so nondescript as characters. It's it's kind well, of hilarious. I also said like the thing I loved about unintentionally or not, the thing I love about the Saw movies is that you know, you've got cop characters in movies, but these people are like literally like playing cops. Yeah. Like they're like, it's like, like your idea of like cops and robbers when you're eight. It's like, and really, this yes. is how they act. This is how it's, they talk to people. This is what they drink and eat. This is what they, it, this is like, like, it's like play up. It's like a dress up. It's like on South Park, they have that cop Harrison Yates. He's always just like, listen, mm-hmm. motherfucker. It's, it's just true. that overly, it's oh, it's so funny. And oh, he is a total South Park. They're, they're all South Park characters. Uh, it's, imminently, it's I will say that these movies as as bad as they can get are so eminently watchable. Oh, they're mm-hmm. fun. They're like 80, just 90 minutes usually. Time. Yeah, they're just, yeah. I will say that it's funny because I did the same thing Justin did. I just watched the Saw movies back to back. And honestly, <laughs> the, what, what I, what I can yeah, during the pandemic, I wanted to reflect and, you know, kind of look back at my life. So well, we were getting ready for eight, what, Book, of, Book of Saw. Movies. There the, was one day. We were, we were. There, there, there's this was for real. This was one of my lowest points in the pandemic. I, th- I think I even texted you guys about this. There was a day where all I I watched seven movies yeah, and right. I think five of them were Saw movies. I remember this. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then the other one was a movie. Well, my wife day was probably fine. You know? Oh, and the, the other movie, uh, other day was the other movie was one a uh, movie that my wife was in, like her first, the first movie she was in that actually got screened in you know like in theaters. And so we, the only time we went to the movies during the pandemic that wasn't a drive-in, we were like, oh come on, it, it, it's your movie, it's playing at the AMC. When are we going to get this chance again? So we ventured out and did that. And I was like so scared that we were being irresponsible because of COVID. And we got there, and there was no one in the theater. And then that just made us sad. I was like, "Oh no, it's actually safe to go to theaters because there's fucking no one here right now." Oof. So it was like this thing of like being feeling kind of weird about going to an AMC for the first time in a while, and you know, being really excited about my wife's movie, which is very good. And then, you know, but on either side of that, three, two to three Saw movies, one of them being Saw Four, and I just felt very numb by the end of the day. I, the, didn't you watch him like in the middle of the day too on your laptop? Yeah, there, like, yeah, so it's like a like glare oh on your screen. <laughs> the thing is with it, with uh, Saw 4 is that like, cause yeah, I think the way you remember Saw movies is maybe the general concept and also the traps, right? Like that's why I can remember yeah. from each film. And Saw 4 is not my favorite. I mean, I, I like all the Saw movies, but it's not my favorite. It's probably middle of the road for me. And it's weird because this is a lot of people's favorite of the franchise. And I think what the re- I think the reason why is because it did take the traps to another level. Like mm-hmm. I'd argued, I like the traps better in two and three, but this got really, really extreme and really leaned into like the industrial metal aspect of it, just like as an aesthetic, like well, the, you know, like the head, like that song they play at the end and everything. And so I will say, even though Saw Four is in the middle for me, I feel like Saw Four walked. So Saw Six, which is one of my favorites of the franchise, could run. You know what I mean? Like it set the it set that kind of insanely complex but not really structured of the rest of them it's by, such a fascinating series because yeah. I, I do in terms of the saw franchise not in terms of the history of film i do think like saw three four six and jigsaw are pretty good yeah I agree. my hot mm-hmm. take is that jigsaw is the best one by the way i, I, agree. I, no, I agree with that yeah. I'm, i agree with you it's straight um, it's clean it it's, makes sense it it's looks like awesome. it actually feels like uh, a motion picture. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? But, but it's weird because then you got like the interstitial ones. It's almost like the Star Trek movies where the odd ones are the bad ones. Like mm-hmm. saw five is awful. awful. Saw 3d, which is the seventh one is awful, mm-hmm. yeah. but, but somehow four and six and eight are pretty good. You know, I like three is pretty thing. good too. Yeah. I was going to say three is my, I think three, I think three is then good jigsaw, too, yeah. then six for me. Those if are you, if you want to know how insane these movies are, and you don't feel like watching them, and you just want to know what we're talking about in terms of the complexities of the story and how many fucking characters are in it. Just read the very last paragraph of the plot on Wikipedia. 
and try to make any sense of it. Because I mean, look, it Mike, is, the, the smartest thing I did was I knocked fucking, them all out day by day. If yeah. I hadn't done that, I would have been looking it's around. Like, like, it was like every other month, I was like, wait, what's happening yeah, here? Yeah, you have to, you have you to have, do it in a it's big It's almost binge, like, you know what it's like? It would be like, you got to like watch Stranger Things Season 4 in a row, because these are they're basically the length of movies. They are, I feel yeah. like to understand the continuity, it's the same exact thing, because they feel like they're all filmed at the same time, too. You yeah, know I mean? they, they, they really do, yeah. Years apart, they feel like they're filmed all at the same time, and then just released... Every year for four years or whatever and, it was. And, they're, and it's weird. It's this weird middle ground of being like self-serious and yet also incredibly farcical. Like it, it's like it has its it, – it doesn't have its tongue playing in its cheek because it's pretty fucking serious about what it's going on in this all the time. And everyone in the movie is really f- serious. But by, by that note, it is also campy in that respect too because you're just watching it and you're like, wow, this is like – you know, watching like a general hospital or something like that. And there just happens to be like, you know – bloodshed <laughs> there is a, uh, that's my exact take on the fast and furious franchise is i'm yeah. not a big fan of the first couple entries much like the saw movies but once they kind of start to lean into the camp while also still being kind of self-serious yeah hey we're making well, hamburgers is that uh is that <laughs> yeah. your, is is when you're with olive garden you're with family mm. but when you're with the fast franchise are you yes. also with family okay um, uh, no, I'm with me. I uh, know I'm with me familia. Me familia, yeah, that's true. You know true. what? Uh, Vin Big Diesel's difference. actions to me uh, that doesn't sound like family to me. That sounds. You know, like, <laughs> I tell you it what, Vin like Diesel's a, a got uh, move. <laughs> you know, Rita Moreno's going to be in the new movie. I think he's. Ah, that's uh, cool. How about that? Playing as Abuela. Oh, Rita, wow. I need someone to be my grandmother. <laughs> Rita, no, he's like. Uh, is that really oh, true? Rita, is that Rita, 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 is, is that actually? Is that really happening? That's deadly serious. He's gonna. She's gonna be in the new movie. Twenty twenty two. Here we go. Vin Diesel and is like the he's like the DJ Khaled of blockbusters to me. Just God. that like gr- like always trumpeting positivity, but positivity. you know he's just being a total dickhead behind the scenes. Hey, like that's he, he loves. Look, maybe the filmmakers don't always love him, but he he he, he treats that cast with with respect. And he's Not somebody Johnson. I wish he was part of my family. Well, well every one of his like movies. a real piece of work too. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah he true. seems kind of like a chore. But <laughs> I, two alphas, two alphas is, can't do it. Can't have two alphas true, on set. Is it true you that need, like, you need a blue in there? You need a blue and a and an Owen Grady. You can't true. have two Owen Grady's. You can't have two blues. I would say that Vin is the Owen Grady though. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well. Wait, wait, you wait, know, wait. Of, of the Jurassic Park series? No, well, now we're getting way off target. Well, everything, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, you know, this being 2022, the uh, the year of our Lord and the the year of stupidity, I would say that we're about what one or two years removed from Jurassic World crossing over with Fast franchise. Now that uh, maybe I'll be. In. This is funny because what's really funny about that though is I feel like that is where Caffrey finally gets off his his love of Jurassic Park, and or that's is when, it when I, I finally get on, and, or no, or. You're right. Or is this when I no. finally get on the Jurassic World? Because I'm like, okay, finally, we're going to have cars with these freaking dinosaurs again. You, like, you know, it's going to be Lost World. <laughs> he's going to pull over. He, like, his engine's going to blow out, and he's, and he's, he, he's, he's going to be like, I need a ride. And then Owen Grady's going to come up on, like, a pair of Philophosaurus, be like, hey, how about this one? He's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, hey, he's like you the Alpha? He goes, you the Alpha? <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah. And then he's on... He's on the back of him, and Vin Diesel's like, this isn't what I had in mind. I'm used to motors, not scales. <laughs> not and scales. When, and that's when, uh, that's when this co-host uh, similarly drives off a cliff. <laughs> because at that point, Caffrey will be joining that family, and I'll be the only one on the podcast that doesn't like this franchise. Well, to be and, fair, uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned cliffs and driving off cliffs. There is a scene for this next movie, Mike, that, that is uh, true. <laughs> it takes place around a parking garage with cars. 
That is true. Well, that was a hell of a seg that the... <laughs> Why don't you... This is actually the most modern fourth entry that we have on here, surprisingly. Well, I think that anybody who is 30 years or... 30 years old or younger is going to be thrilled with this next entry. That's oh, my, totally. That's my tease. Well, I will say, here's another tease. The next six movies, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if someone made the argument that these are their favorites of the franchises. Like, mm. I, wouldn't say that's, I, I wouldn't say that's the case yeah. of the ones that we just discussed, but I, ha- I could see essays or tweets or, you know, yada, yada, yada I, being I out there of people saying. saying, this is how distance the quality is now from seven to six. So, Caffrey, what's number six? This is uh, not, scre- not Scream 6, but Scream 4. Or oh, Scream 4, yeah. How about that? 2011, which is the newest one we have on here, which is wild. Yeah, and you can, of course, obviously listen to our footage, on, our footage, our coverage on <laughs> our it. Footage. Uh, <laughs> our footage. Our Scream 4 <laughs> footage. Wait, who, wait, who, Mike, you were not on that episode. I was right? not on that one. No. Yeah, no. so why, because, I mean, they, they know what, I mean, I love Scream 4. They know what Justin and I think. What are your uh, general thoughts well, on I think it? you eventually gave them on the, uh, on the, the rankings, rankings ones. Yeah, yeah. Rankings I'm not one, a big yeah. fan of this one. I, I think that this is, and I talked about it also on the Scream 5 or 5 Cream episode that, I really do wish we just had three and and then we just had five that was back in, you know, like last year and it would have been a, a far more, I, I just think it would have been a cleaner transition for me. I, I get the themes on there. I think every, the, the, you know, the topics you all discussed were great. I love, uh, you know, the takeaways that you had, especially what Deandre was talking about, but this one just doesn't work for me. And I think a lot of it's just because I, I, I just think the new characters are just so forgettable and that includes kirby i'm gonna say it right now I, i'm not a fan of kirby you can guys can go off of me on, on on you know on twitter and stuff like that but i just think she's kind of a, a boring character i love all the new characters of this new scream five five cream yeah true. so for me that's kind of why i think that the leap a little more interesting and also i really don't like the fact that you know spoiler alert for scream four if you haven't listened to it and you listen to our podcast i don't understand how that happened but I also don't like how like we're back in Sydney's family again with a killer. It's just like, come on. Like it, I get, I, you know, not to say that Jill's, Jill's a pretty great character on this. It's probably the best of the new characters, but it just felt so redundant to me. And um, I don't know, not a big fan. And I also don't like the re- direction of it. I uh, apologies to Wes Craven. I think <laughs> it, the look of it we talked about looks, I thought, I always thought like the look of it looked kind of weird. It yeah. looked smudged on the corners at some points, like Vaseline was rubbed yeah. on the, on the, on the film. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, my, I, I maintain that the, that this might have the best reveal of all of them. Mm. The way that they position, and we can spoil this, but the way that they position Jill as being the new Sydney. Mm-hmm. I I not for a second think that she was going to be the killer. Yeah, it works because you spent so because this is the first entry. Well, aside from a, maybe one scene of Scott Foley in the third one, where you're really spending POV time with the killer, oh, not totally. knowing that that's the killer. I, I thought some of that subversion was really really well done, and I, I still think that I, I think Emma Roberts is really really good in this, and I wasn't a I big Emma Roberts fan at all. So, and I just, that that made that made uh, that means a lot to me. Can I say that the reveal of this movie and the the last the climactic fight at the house and the hospital I think are really strong and make up for any of the the shortcomings. Like I said, look, for part four, I, I've seen a thousand movies better than Scream Four. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying this is like actually this is the best movie of the 2010s. But do you think do you think Licorice Pizza is better than Scream Four? I have to. Um. T- I'm, let me go step on the ledge here. <laughs> I think Licorice Pizza is better. I think, I, think, I think Scream 4 is better than Magnolia, though. Oh, okay. I, I, I think I'd actually agree with that. Yeah, the first two hours of Magnolia are amazing, and then 
And then Emma Roberts shows up in that last 45 yeah, minutes and kills like, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, what are we doing here? Oh, the frogs. Like, okay. Goes to Jason Robards. It's like, I hate you. Well, that's a whole other podcast that we'll probably no, do I one like day, Magnolia. So. I probably like Magnolia better than Scream 4, but I probably like Scream 4 better than Licorice Pizza. So oh, there, well, you, there go. you go. Wow. See? Different slices for different Stay tuned uh, for our Anderson, Anderson Craven uh, podcast. I agree with... I mean, y'all heard me on the episode. Yeah, we Justin and I had similar thoughts on Scream 4. I do agree with the new characters not being all that interesting. Honestly... I would say as far as new characters go in the Scream sequels, five for me, even though Scream 2 is my favorite, I feel like five might beat out two as far as like new characters go. I mean, I was so impressed by how much I I cared about them. We've talked about like by the end of Scream 4, I enjoyed Scream 4, but I was not thinking to myself, God, I hope we stick around with these characters. I know. But with Scream 5, I was ready to let the original cast go. I was like, hey, let's go. This is We did it. We found a good ensemble we can carry this on with. I don't despise kirby by any means I, I like her okay i don't think she's like the second coming of you know the characters from the first one here's i, I guess this like <laughs> this shows the difference between the most recent movie and scream 4 i know that they're bringing kirby back and that it's like oh no she survived the attack at the end when i first saw scream 4 i never assumed that kirby did survive at all no, and i, I think know. that's because to me she wasn't like this iconic then you know look, Different strokes for different folks. Everyone's going to have their own opinion. But for me, it was funny because I didn't even consider that like a possibility because I was like, oh, why would they bring back any of these characters? So, Like, like I've said at the beginning, though, I mean, there's, there's a generation, I think, right below this that, that just really connected to that character in this movie in particular. So yeah. it's, it's I mean, it makes sense from a I can't fault, I can't fault yeah. them for that. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I can't wait till she's back in Scream Six and uh, oh, with all the other legacy scream? characters that they're going to be bringing back too. So, um, I, I, you know, personally, I, I think that, like you were saying before, the new characters are enough. I actually don't need Sydney back. I don't need Gail back. Yeah. Well, well, we'll be talking about all that in, is it June that's coming out next year? Next March. How about that? So, hey. you know. Oh, so we're like less than a year out. That's crazy. I know. Isn't that wild? Like the good old days, honestly. When you think about every yeah, year. Let's go. You know, you know what also were the good old days? When, mm. uh, when, when classics like, uh, George A. Romero were mm. around. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Justin, what's number five? Number five is Land of the Dead, 2005, yeah. which right off the bat, let's just say, look, it couldn't go there gore-wise yeah. because you had because it really was trying to make money. <laughs> you know, I think Universal yeah. put this out. About time. Yeah. They were trying to make money. You know, George trying to get some money out there. So it's, it's gory to a point, but that's not really the draw for me. I, I was amazed watching it again a few years ago because at the time it was kind of commenting on the present with the, with the administration that was going on back in the aughts. But it also ended up being kind of prescient mm-hmm. with the administration that we had in the late teens. <laughs> I won't mention it. I don't want to get anybody up there upset up there who puts reviews on an Apple. Barack Obama. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We'll get railroaded for that too, probably. Uh. <laughs> There's something about watching again. I think Dennis Hopper is really, really good in this movie. He's great. I think the ensemble yeah. is quite good too. It's like 85 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And. To me, this also is kind of just works as a swan song because I still have not seen Diary of the Dead or Survival of the Dead. I've seen Survival, which I'm not a huge fan of. I yeah. will say, though, I, and I, I enjoy Land of the Dead quite a bit. Regardless of the movie's respective flaws, I love that with each Dead movie, George A. Romero really is trying for something completely different. You yeah, know? definitely. Like, I remember when it came... I, it's funny to say this now because I, I really liked Land of the Dead when it came out, but I remember thinking, oh, the George uh, W. Bush analogy feels a little on the nose it feels a little silly but now looking back at it like you said it feels prescient for what came later and also i think 
and I, I rewatched Dawn of the Dead uh, recently, the really long uh, cut for the first time. And I feel like humor is always sort of in George Romero's bones. And I and mm-hmm. rewatching Land of the Dead, I'm like, no, I actually think this joke works really well. I th- actually think it has a lot to say. I appreciate that in the midst of all these movies that are retroactively trying to be political, like the Halloween franchise and, I mean, God, pretty much any other horror movie that comes out, I love that George Romero, you know, God rest his soul, could actually say, no, I was being fucking political with my movie, and th- this is the message, and yeah. this is what I'm lampooning, and I'm also going to give you some great scares. I will say, I know the movie isn't as gory as it maybe could have been. It still has one of the grossest kills that I still think about on a regular basis where they break, is it Fiddler's Green? Is that what Fiddler's the, Green, yeah. Yeah, yeah when, when the zombies break into there, finally. And one of them attacks a woman and he rips out her belly button piercing with yeah. his teeth. That oh, still, yeah. I feel like I think that lives in my head rent free on a da- uh, like daily basis almost. It's really, really freaky. Yeah, there's there's some really good effects in here. And I think a lot of it is because, the, you know, Nicotero is still involved and they were able, you know, Anne Savini was around, you know, reprising his role. But I think that you get some really cool practical effects here. I think obviously CGI is a little rough sometimes, but it's at least creative. Like even with the spinal cord thing was really neat with the, mm. you know, the, the zombie, you know, throwing its head up. My problem is actually that given the subject material and the fact that it's land of the dead and it's this larger than life, you know, story, at least, you know, comparatively to the other ones, I do wish that we had like 30 or 45 minutes more in this movie, like, like Mm. Dawn of the Dead, because I think that it would give us a little bit more time with some of the characters. I actually think the ensemble is pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, what's the guy that's, uh, he was like in the mentalist, I think is, uh, is, uh, his name Simon, Simon Baker, Simon Baker, I think. Yeah. I think he's pretty good. I love Liguizamo's character in this. I think a lot of the, the, you know, the things that they do within this world, like the fireworks, are really cool. I just wish that we got a little bit more to be able to kind of like I see think what it's else a, they do you know, in this world. Like, it's kind of like the original Day of the Dead script, which was which was yeah. going to be way too expensive, so we had to yep. rewrite it. I'm sure he had aspirations for this to be like oh, a hundred totally. million dollar movie, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much it ended up costing. Yeah, I'm which sure is, they couldn't live up to the full vision of it, you know. Oh, absolutely, and I think what we get is is this, you know. Like what Jack says, it's as good as it gets. Well, what's funny is that the original, I remember the original title of this was Dead Reckoning yeah. after the the machine, that, that cool vehicle that they've got. Yeah. But so maybe Christian McQuarrie's paying a little tribute with Mission Impossible. <laughs> oh, maybe. Dead Reckoning coming out next uh, next July, I believe. Maybe John Leguizamo comes back as the zombie and, uh, you know, takes down uh-huh. Ethan Hunt once and for all. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Do you think they should continue the Dead series at no, all? Like, not no, not at all. No. This is another sample of this is... Yeah. George A. Romero's movie. Yeah, this is his concept for the most part. I, I it doesn't. I mean, look, because of the weird rights issue, there's all these garbage like Day of the Dead Contagion, and there's a Day of the Dead movie that's sitting up there on Netflix right now if you want to watch it. But it's leave it alone. It doesn't work. Like you said, Caffrey, it's, it's the political commentary that's that's natural that's so embedded into all of these movies, whether it's intentional or not. And I just feel like if you if you don't have it there. Honestly, no offense, but you're just watching like a Resident Evil movie. It's true. Well, big like Resident Evil movies. On that note, anyway. if we're talking about the creator, mm. stay on the wheel. This next one, he's been there from the get-go, and he's still hitting the pedal to the metal on this one. Probably my favorite, actually, of the franchise might be. Wow, interesting. Number four, Bride of Chucky, 1998. I... I love this movie. I it's weird because I I, lo- I also love Child's Play, the original one. But for me, it almost feels like Bride of Chucky is like a new part one. 
for this franchise, doesn't yeah. it feel like that? Like it doesn't feel like I mean the first three Ch- child's play movies like just feel totally removed from this in a way, well, even though it's not because they still play and you know all the characters come back from those, mm-hmm. and especially in the new Chucky series. But it just it just feels like this is kind of like a new square one. Yeah, I have my notes for reboot. Yeah, for sure. I feel like Curse of Chucky, which because I, I haven't seen Cults and I haven't seen the new TV show. But I feel like Curse of Chucky, even though, like you said, is indebted to the originals, it is also indebted to this and the Seed of Chucky. And I feel like the tone of Bride of Chucky, the sort of anarchic, playful, not quite Gremlins 2-esque, but it's cartoony. definitely a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Cartoony. I feel that's like not that to its detriment at all. It's, it's no, yeah, positive. no, I completely agree. And I feel like that actually inform, informs Curse of Chucky and the direction the franchise seems to be going in. I mean, yeah, then Curse isn't quite as... Dany is Bride and Cedar, and I'm assuming that the show isn't either right now, but it almost did feel like it gave the series more freedom to do whatever the hell it wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think because it's had more or less the same creator behind it the whole time, it can be anarchic and cartoony, but also have some cohesion to it, which is why I really love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I mean, aside from too many people, Kirby and Scream Four, maybe not for me in, in this respect, but I mean like the character Tiffany, the new doll is an, an iconic character now. Like how many part yeah. fours introduce iconic characters in any film franchise horror, other, horror other, or otherwise, you know? So that's another major plus in its, in its uh, wheelhouse there. And this also should be said, this pretty much got Ronnie U, Freddy versus Jason. I know it that did, he did yeah. that, the bride, that bride movie, but I, this, this is what did it is the tone, right? That they were trying to This is to a huge forward. blockbuster. Like, yeah, this was huge. I remember this is this huge. Was a big hit. Yeah, and and I and I was blown away by it, and 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 honestly, like I didn't mention his name, I forgot to do it. Don Mancini, like he's the you know, the heart of this franchise, and I think he really, you know, I, I feel like he gets to kind of tell the story that he really wanted in, in a way. I mean, not to say he didn't in the first three, but I feel like that the tone is finally striking the right medium here because I think that looking back at this entire franchise, I do think the horror elements are good, but I think the I think it just always works better as a comedy. I, I mean, because there's only so long you can go with the, the killer doll before it does become parody and it becomes funny. Well, that's why the first one to me is, well, I think the first one to me is the best, but even by the second one, which Mancini also wrote, they yeah. definitely start to lean a little bit more into the comedy of it all. Yeah. And they get rid of the whole, you know, is Chucky alive? Cause we know he's yeah. alive, you know, exactly. that, yeah. that's done. We, you know, we quoted all the time. I mean, our first, our favorite moment oh. in the second one happens in the first five minutes is the bark. This piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, that's like a genuinely funny, the delivery is funny. The line is funny. The situation is funny. This guy like cowering with this doll talking to, I love it. I mean, Brad Chucky's no exception, but just whenever Brad Dourif, shouts yes as chucky in any of these movies or show it's the it's the i will always laugh yeah like that's an automatic i'm laughing but i'm having a fun time but i'm still kind of in terror of this whatever the hell this doll is gonna do but i, I love brad chucky was also the first uh, chucky movie i saw in theaters same same yeah there was i you know i was gonna go yeah, see chucky three, or child's play three but then i i guess i decided to i don't know go to second grade i wasn't allowed to go see child's play three <laughs> yeah i don't think that was gonna happen I wonder if you saw this film in theaters. I don't think you did. No, uh, sure no, as well did not. <laughs> I don't think we did. Um, I know we we did end up actually going to see it eventually. We all theaters. saw it together in theaters. Yeah. Which right. which uh, which film is this, uh, Justo? Number three. Number three, Halloween Four, Return of Michael Myers, and it truly was the return of Michael Myers because he obviously sat out part three, but for a brief cameo on on the television. 
So really, in some ways, this is kind of we talked about this ad nauseum about the Halloween franchise, and this is this is kind of really a part three in some ways, it but is, it's actually part yeah. four. You know, it's a confusing thing. I I still really really enjoy this movie quite a bit. I think it uh, you got the Rachel Jamie duo, which is one of my favorite uh, combos, sibling or otherwise, in any of these series we're talking about. And, and and thinking about the finale of this movie, how it's kind of the opposite of the finale of the first one. Mm-hmm. Where in the first one, you've got Loomis, who knows Myers is around, and either people are don't believe him or just totally have no idea what's going on. And the finale of this movie, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody's aware of Michael Myers, but he's already in the house mm-hmm. and they're everywhere else. So I anyway, that's just something I noticed the last time I rewatched it. One thing I noticed is I feel like the strange thing about the Jamie Lloyd trilogy is that I feel like the more Halloween sequels they pump out, the better this arc looks <laughs> like, mm. like I kind of, yeah. you know, True. in the eighties or at least in the night or in the nineties, for sure. It wasn't in the eighties. I was watching these, but in the nineties, I remember, just, you know, we reached these sequels and be like, Oh man, this is already, this is getting off the rails. But by comparison, especially with last year's Halloween kills and even Halloween green and like, or Halloween this feels almost like sort of um, sedative in a way. <laughs> yeah. Like, right? And it not feel, just the yeah, opening I mean, credits. it feels back it's to like, basics. It feels calm, even though this is the argu- the beginning of the um, Terminatorfication of it Michael is, Myers. Yeah, it it still problem. does feel like yeah. a callback to the original. Yeah, I love this movie for everything y'all have said. I'm just thinking about what you said a second ago about how many franchises introduced iconic characters in the fourth entry. Would mm-hmm. you guys say that about jamie lloyd and rachel in this at least at least as far as how the horror community in the horror community jamie but i think that even tiffany's kind of crossed over i feel like even people that aren't big horror fans would yeah, see that doll that. and know but no, i know i hear what you're saying yeah we'll talk about a couple of people coming up but, but love entries. it if nothing else i would say but, like, oh i would say the, it's people love jamie lloyd and, and rachel well, yeah, yeah, yeah do you feel like the reboots and all have have sort of kind of quasi erased her I think I mean, that she's still those. I think, I think they're still beloved. I, I do. I, I I think they are. I mean, they erased her from the timeline. Uh, <laughs> I know, like, but I mean, in like, in like pop yeah. culture lexicon, like I, I never really see as much fan art. I never really see a lot of the. I mean, there's some cosplay going on. I just feel like I do wonder if Jamie Lloyd is a good litmus test to see what the rebootification does to these movies and these characters because I, it's yeah. weird. Like they don't get to, she never gets brought up, and now it's like you know Jamie, you know. Lori has new daughters or a new daughter. I will say I've been, I remember when we don't have to go down this rabbit hole of the Halloween reboot Mm -hmm. movies again, but we will in October. So I will say though, the response (laughs) to Halloween kills was quite negative Mm -hmm. on, even on social media. I was pretty, I was pretty stunned. I really thought that was going to be another, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen, but no people really seem to not enjoy that particular entry either. So I think that in terms of legacy, that the Jamie Lloyd movies will still be more fondly remembered in the horror community, aside from horror Twitter, than these these rebooted movies. Do I believe you, you guys. Who do you think is more iconic at this point, Jamie and Rachel or Mr. Lance Tavoli? <laughs> I mean, we. I mean, Lance Tavoli. That's a, that's a difficult subject to even broach. I mean, it's one of our great. Uh, not since Audrey Rose with. Uh, Anthony Hopkins in the seventies. Have we had such a psychologically <laughs> complex character? And is 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 it him? Is it not him? And <laughs> you know. roaming around the hospital, and, and, <laughs> and, and of course, him splattering and having that close up of his oh, brains man. exploding I, on the cement. I mean, the symbolism was 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 rich. Mark, mark my words. 
I'm telling you, the, <laughs> with all this metaverse shit, I've said this before on the podcast, with all this metaverse shit, it's going to seep into horror pretty soon. And I would not be surprised if we get like a Spider-Man No Way Home Halloween movie that unites all these motherfuckers. Hey, I swear they, to God. In, in I, Taking Shape 2, they happen. mention a script that really does briefly show that all of these movies have they taken do. place in some different realities. So oh, boy. It's, not, I, it's not beyond the realm. Trust me. Well, yeah. I hope that uh, Alfred Molina shows up and reprises his role. What am um, I doing here? <laughs> what am I do- Where's Loomis? Peter? No, uh, I don't know about you. Well, Where's maybe in one Peter? universe, Mr. Tivoli is actually the shape, uh, and he'll be back. <laughs> well, apparently the, the, the town of Haddonfield, who knows this giant hulking image, is obviously this squat. Well, anyway, that's yeah, we can't right. do this to ourselves. Okay. Nor Dan. We can't do it to Dan. We can't do it to Dan. Hey, I, I'm feel, the one I, bro- I mean, look, I loved <laughs> Halloween Kills, but I, I also... Love it when you guys make fun of Halloween Kills. <laughs> well, funny, I'm, I'm, so I'm blowing fine. I'm blowing the candle out on this pumpkin right now there because we go. we're going to be going right, right back it. to this. We're going right back to Haddonfield this October, so we'll you know we'll get there. I'm sure we'll talk about Lance Tavoli again because I'm sure his, his I'm sure like Jake Tavoli his his nephew will be out for revenge. Oh, I'm or sure. Well, like I'm that. still waiting for Son of Sartan to show up, and you know let, now that Halloween ends is going to be four years ahead. It gives us all the you know all the chance for you know Doctor Sartan's long lost son to finally find his way uh, to Haddonfield. That's what I think it's going to be one of those things where like, Halloween ends, but Sartain begins. And yes, I hope the, so. The legacy continues, and we do. A, we get a young Sheldon show, but it's young Sartain. Young, young um, Sartain. What's what's his name? Bill. What's what's Sartain's first name? A uh, Rainbird. Jo- Rainbird. Right. <laughs> young, young young Rainbird. Rainbird or whatever. I don't know. That's the. Uh, I think it is the, actually the name. Anyway. Ra- yeah, Ra- yeah. Yeah. Young Rainbird. Oh god. I'm just going to tease this right now. The next two entries in this. I mentioned earlier about how they could be the favorites of the franchise for people. I would, I mean, there's a wide majority where the next two people consider this the best Wait, of the these franchises. Are same, same tier for me, both these movies. Yeah, same, same personally, here. Personally speaking. I, mean, I, th- uh, I think the one we're about to talk about in a second, I like a lot. So it's, it's edged out by a few others as being my favorite, though. In the well, franchise. which one is it, Caffrey? What's this number two? Is a, mm. a Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. I, Dream Warriors for me and uh, yeah. the, the OG Freddy. Maybe even New Nightmare edge it out for me, but I still do love this movie. And I know it's funny. When I think about the sequences of this movie, we mentioned the traps in Saw, right? And mm. even in the worst Freddy movies, and there are some stinkers in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, you do remember the dream sequences, right? And this one has like a murderer's run of, oh, uh, of uh, dream sequences literally murderers real yeah it's Freddy's murder yeah no i i really the honestly the working out roach motel it's unbelievable uh, it's disgusting i love it so good on that note though don't you kind of just miss gross out horror i feel oh, like 100 it's just like it yeah. doesn't exist as much anymore i feel like it's just kind of a lost art and maybe it's because practical effects are are only in vogue in certain areas at, at this point and they're you know I mean, they're slowly what? coming back. I feel like more and more we're hearing about practical Well, I feel like the back, gross sequences we get nowadays, they're either in prestige horror, which is great. Like, I love Hereditary, I love Midsummer, things like that. Or they're so self-winking. They're, like, mm-hmm. kind of clever. Or be like, oh, look how crazy we're being. And this movie actually has a pretty, even though Freddy is cracking wise for a lot of it, the deaths themselves are pretty sober, I think. Like, it, the one I just mentioned... I mean, there's a sick sense of humor about it with like the Roach Motel oh, and just it's cruel. But the, but the actual effects themselves, I think you're supposed to feel queasy watching. I certainly do. Well, I bring that up because I think that's the best pivot for a horror franchise that was pretty much leaning away from horror and more into like the blockbuster uh, comedic elements. I MTV, mean, this yeah, is the MTV, MTV Freddy. Freddy. Yeah. And I think going gross is probably the best way possible for this because I mean, you you mentioned this being a murderer's row of of, of dreams. This to me is still 
the the most memorable entry in this franchise where where the dreams all feel very singular like i remember them all and this is because yeah. at the, at, by then it was less about character more about like oh i i hate getting you know i hate when bugs are in my food and then it becomes a bug there or like you know <laughs> oh or i have asthma and so i'm going to be sucked out on my my air and that's really all the defining characteristics you have which is one of the bigger marks i have against this movie but i still think it works when you look at it as an aesthetic piece which is really what this movie is i mean it is a fucking music video and i that, and that's what i love about it oh the color scheme alone like uh, which i love like the, the 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 like the lime green and like the deep red love it that's throughout the entire movie and it yeah i think it looks terrific for rennie harlan by the way rennie yeah. harlan yeah, yeah he's so good i mean there are lots of horror franchises where the villain becomes a hero or not a hero but at least someone you root for at a certain point right like godzilla i mean there's king kong there's a million of them and that does happen with Freddy. He definitely does not become the hero. He's still a vicious murderer. But, you know, he, yeah, like you said, the NTV, the cool factor of him. I think it really works if that is going to happen, if that's the direction the franchise is going to go with, then yes, make it more disgusting because then it feels like you're pulling over this sly trick on the audience mm-hmm. and you feel like you do have this perverted sense of humor. Like it's kind of funny to me that, oh yeah, Freddy's putting on sunglasses and hosting MTV Spring Break while also making it so this girl's forearms rip apart from her biceps so and she turns into up. a cockroach oh, and then he squeezes the roach mantel she's in and disgusting bug guts come out. I'm like, okay, we're going to like be, Oh, Freddie's so cool. Yeah. Let's make him also more sadistic and disgusting. And that feels like a genre in and of itself, you know? So well, that's why I love this movie. You know what? There's a, there's a, there's an addition to that. What you just discussed about the whole Debbie sequence. She knows that she's a cockroach. That's yeah. what's yeah. fucked. Like, th- like they li- deliberately show that the that the the cockroach is looking around and then looks back at Freddy. So it's mm-hmm. still Debbie in there, and it's still like her as this creature. I mean, as a kid seeing this, I mean, number one, Tina's death in the first one is always going to be number one for me. I think we did a list a long time ago of it, and I still think Tina's death is the most brutal. But like, this is the one that stuck with me forever. Like, I I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, the imagination alone of just like, and oh, just yeah. how cruel it is. Well, just of the of the glue and her face on the glue ripping yep. off her face. There's so many steps to the sequence. So demeaning. Too. Yeah. It just there's like there. It's almost like there's five amazing horrible dream sequences in one here. Yeah, it's it's one of the most elaborate hor- like deaths I th- I think in. Well, in I mean, horror, but here's the thing. In addition to the the incredible effects of this movie, though, I think that that diner sequence into the movie theater. It's great is one of the best sequences of the entire franchise. Yeah. The way that's shot, the way the, the black and white into her looking back into the balcony and the door closing, they're all asleep and her flying into the screen. I don't know. It's it's quite something. And we even talk about Alice. You want to talk yeah, about iconic say. characters introduced <laughs> totally. later on. Like when I think of Halloween, as much as I love, you know, Rachel and, and, and Jamie, et cetera, et cetera, Tom even Tommy Doyle for for, for that matter. That will always be Laurie Strode's series. But you can make the argument in some cases, at least in mine, like, I mean, I love Nancy Thompson. Obviously, she's in three movies and three of my favorites, but Alice is really great in this movie, and she's great in the fifth one. And um, that's saying it's really tough to kind of have to replace somebody, essentially, who's passed on from an earlier entry. But I love the arc of this character, and... That's hard to have an arc for a new character in these movies where you're kind of just like, let's get back to Freddy. But it says a lot about a lot about Lisa Wilcox's performance. Well, it also, I mean, think about it this way: she's replacing Patricia Arquette's role in Dream Warriors, basically. And, yeah, and I and I do wonder if Arquette did come back and mm-hmm. she died at the beginning, which I don't think would have happened. I think they would have probably kept her. Um, but 
is it, do we still love Alice more, you know, or less because Patricia Arquette's in there? Or are we still thinking about like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe they killed, they killed Kristen off because, because Tuesday night is the character. I think you just keep her alive and her friends are dead and you introduce the new people. I agree. Yeah. But you still have Alice. I think maybe you ever go back home or something like that. I don't know, but you don't have, um, you don't kill off Kristen. If if Patricia Arquette's back, I guarantee that doesn't happen. Love this movie. We'll never know. Great needle drops in it. I love the Sinead O'Connor song. I love, obviously, the Dramarama song that plays with yeah. Rick. Fun movie. I mean, this is, uh, I think we rewatched it. I think we saw it like years ago, like 2018, I think, when we, they did some 30th anniversary. Yeah, I, we, saw that, we saw it in theaters. We saw it one of the marathons that was going on around here. Need more repertory screenings of Nightmare series. I feel like they never pop up, except for like Dream Warriors or something. But, well, you know, um, I really love to see though, because I think I've seen most of the movies that we've talked about on the big screen, except of course for you know Peppa Meister Four. Uh, but the next <laughs> one we're about to cover, I still have not. I don't think I've seen this on the big screen. I don't, I don't think, think I have, I have either. either. Well, which one is it, Justin? You got to re- you got to read it. This is your favorite franchise, so you know, go. This for is it. the one you've been waiting for, which I believe mm-hmm. is the, the, the great tagline. Friday Leprechaun 13th. Four. Leprechaun Four <laughs> in space. No. <laughs> Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty much a given, right? When we first started. I, th- I mean, when we yeah. did this list, it was, it was literally down to the Dream Master and final chapter for me. Yeah. And I, I do think I, I have to give the edge to the final chapter. I would agree. I think final chapter of, of, of the movies that we've talked about it would be my number one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why though? I mean, we debated this for three hours on the Friday season, but like, <laughs> why does this movie work? I mean, is it the Ambulin-esque sort of tones that we get with Tommy Jarvis? Is it because the kids are, you know, somewhat memorable comparatively to the third one where most of the, the cast in that one kind of, with the exception of Shelley, is like pretty forgettable? <laughs> like, is that why? I mean, what is it about this movie that works for the most part? Well, Dan, I, I like to hear you because you're the one who said this without question was better than Elm Street 4. Like, what is it? Uh, I think for me, we talked about ye. continuity before, right? And and then the context of the Saw movies being stubbornly committed to that. And I would argue the same for the Friday series, at least for a while. And what I love about this is that it's so indebted to everything that came before, but goes in such a new direction. I feel like what you asked about, you know, Patricia Arquette versus um, Alice Wilcox and, you know, new characters versus old characters, et cetera. For me, four gets uh, dream master gets a little bit dinged because it, it feels like this, yeah, it's paying homage to what came before, but also kind of resetting it in a in a mm-hmm. weird way with like how we see Kincaid get killed in the beginning and you know the new character and all that. And I feel like this this doesn't feel like a starting over for me, but just it also feels like taking the franchise in wildly different directions with Tommy Jarvis's telepathy, I guess, right? Or not telepathy, telekinesis. No, it's telepathy, right? I think for, for kind of. I mean, they path. get they get into that a little bit. I think mo- a lot of it's just the. He's just mental really connection, inventive. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mental like connection with Jason, and like it's, and, and at the same time, it still very much delivers on what we've come to love about Friday movies. Like the deaths are still there, like the really gory deaths. I like that we get Jason just kind of inside this house at the end. We haven't mm-hmm. gotten the that in a while. Is I feel like this, the house is amazing. The house is It's so good. I, I mean, I love I love Jason's, you know, running around the campground, killing people outside and whatever else. And, you know, he goes into like a, you know, he has this creepy cabin or whatever in the second one. But this is like, oh, we're just inside like a regular house that a family would, um, you know, rent or, or go, a cabin that you would go in for essentially a, a vacation. I love that that final sequence is just seeing him storm through that and ravaging that as a little kid that weirdly made me scared because it, it it felt somehow not as safe as 
the other movies do because he was like almost out of his element in a weird way, but knocking down walls and, and also to the makeup is just incredible in that final Well, And Mike, too. I deflected your question, Mike, and I said, Dan, why don't you answer? Cause I had to look it up. I definitely did see the final chapter of the music box. And I'm sure you were there too. I probably was then. What yeah. year was that? I, I this would have been, left, right? oh man, years ago, but I have it. I've listed on my movies. I've seen it at the music box theater. So you have a list for that. Oh yeah, it's 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 on letterbox.com. Oh my god. I've you seen are... I've seen over 200 <laughs> movies at Music Box you know, I, incredible. I, uh, incredible. I love what I've seen on Letterbox and I rate them. I've never written an actual review or done anything else on Letterbox. I have the Just as the King. Oh, I love yeah, Letterbox with all my yeah. heart. I go there all the time. Love you pay it. for it. You, or at least you die. Absolutely. I'm able to do so much with this yearly thing. It's I'm on I'm on, I'm on more than anything else, so I might as well yeah. give them some some of my money. It's well, so it adds to your Gerbalytics. It, 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 I'll tell you right now, it helped me make this list today. Yeah. So all I had to do is pull up horror and just comb through movies I had from like rated high to the lowest. And I was able to pull up all these movies. Well, I love this movie. I love the death. I, I do wonder, did this film work? Like just because you were talking about the house situation, I never thought about this, Capri, but like it's basically Halloween. Yeah, it's it is. Two it's two houses. It's him. It's him chasing. It's like a bunch. It's a bunch of people in different locations, you know, getting stalked or whatever. And then it ends in this final confrontation. I know it's funny. I hadn't thought about that either. But I mean, hell, it's even a little kid named Tommy, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Chased yeah. by a, a madman. I, I do. Uh, here's a question. I also have. Like, now that we look back, we, you mentioned earlier with Tiffany being, you know, an iconic character for entries in. You could look back at our list. Number one, Friday Thirteenth, final chapter gives us Tommy Jarvis. Nightmare on Elm Street four, you know, gives us Alice. And her boyfriend who dies in the first five minutes of part five. Damn. Three, Halloween four, you get Jamie and Rachel. Rachel also dies in the beginning of five, much to the detriment of the movie. Uh, four, Tiffany and Bride of Chucky. And no I guess spoilers, you, but uh, still, still kicking. Yeah, still kicking. But uh, and then Land of the Dead. Yeah, I guess we don't really have any other characters <laughs> there. But. <laughs> but Scream four, apparently Kirby. Uh, right? It's it Kirby for Scream four. So I, I do wonder: is that the 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 key? That we've discovered here a little bit. Maybe the that's the big blood, takeaway. Right? The, life the life blood, blood. you know. Uh, I, I think it's good. you're onto something, right? Because you're going to start running out of characters pretty quick if you don't do that. Yeah. So you can only recycle so many times. We, we should also too. T- I mean, we also have a central performance and a great child actor here, Corey Feldman. I he mean, was great. In this really movie. does anchor this movie. Like, if you think about the ending with the him shaving his head off, it's a little absurd, right? But he yeah. makes it work so so well, and it, it does, almost yeah. becomes this additional moment of terror when I think of this movie and the immediate first quote unquote scary image that comes to mind is actually him coming out of the bathroom with his hair and strings and the look he has on his face. He sells that. I don't think all kids could. So I think he's a big part of the movie's success also. I mean, the family dynamic alone sets it apart also from just about, well, it's like they kind of try to recapture the family element for the seventh one and the eighth one, but they don't do it as well, obviously no, as they do in this no. one by any means. I love the family element of this movie too. Changes yeah. it changes up the stakes as well, hundred percent. You feel so bad. I mean, especially with the original ending. It's like fuck. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, the mother in the bathtub. Uh, well, this is fun. I I think you know to recap: ten, Phantasm four, nine, Puppet Master four, eight, Hellraiser Bloodline, seven, Saw four, six, Scream four, five, Land of the Dead, four, Bride of Chucky, three, Halloween four, The Return of Michael Myers, two, A Nightmare on Elm Street, four, The Dream Master, and one, Friday the Thirteenth. The final chapter, and we'd be remiss we didn't even mention the Crispin Glover dance. Yeah, the Crispin Glover dance. That's is also a huge, part. huge. Yeah. 
look, we love that movie. And you could hear all about it if you go back to our season three August episode, I think it was. Um, not, not that it even has the months on there, so I don't even know why I'm listing that out. But you could find it in our feed. It's a great episode. Maybe one of the longest, I think, of that, that season. I think either that or part six was pretty fucking long. It's a good one. But fortunately, we have the rest of our uh, Evil Dead season that we got to get to. Justin, what do we have next month, though? We're kind of taking a slight detour. Well, yeah, it's a slight detour. This was not planned originally, but we are actually going to be covering kind of an honorary Evil Dead movie in many ways, yeah. pretty much all but name. We are going to be doing Drag Me to Hell. We are, we are. And then I'm we're looking forward to. We're also going to stick around with uh, the seances because uh, we're going to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Poltergeist, which will be our next rental, which you can get at patreon.com slash Pod. We're going to keep it Raimi because what else? We, we, we want a commentary on the love of the game. The love of the game. Yep. yep we got it there. It's <laughs> on Kelly Preston and it's Kevin baseball Costner. season. It's oh, yeah. exciting. So no, you know, John no, C. No, Riley. We're not doing that one. Doing that. I was you just know. having some fun. Joke. J.K. Joke. Simmons. It's going to be fun. I'm, you know, but uh, which, what are we, which Raimi or film are we going to be doing? It's the gift, right? Well, <laughs> it's the gift for God's sakes. It's Crime Wave. It's I believe it's a film That's called... Good. We mentioned Simple Plan, the band. It's going to be Simple Plan. Oh, God. Yeah. I, would, yeah. I love Simple Plan. That'd be great. Yeah. Listen, yeah, folks, awesome. folks, folks, it's going to be Dark Man. Yep. Love Dark it. Man. So well, that's yeah, because we're that's covering someone. Simple Plan. It is going to be Dark Man. It's a dark movie. It that's is. right. It's very true. <laughs> but, Mike, you know, there's something else we're going to be dropping, too, because people might be saying, wait, what's this Patreon you're talking about? Yeah, right? that's true. So what, are we, what else are we going to be doing? Well, we are going to go to Amity, and uh, if you really do follow our socials, you know that we actually already went to Amity Island last year when we did our commentary track for Jaws. Well, lucky you, we're unlocking it, and we're going to be putting it on the main feed, so you get a little taste, just like Jaws does at the beginning of Jaws. And <laughs> I, I mean, a little Christy. <laughs> a little Christy, you know, just like Jaws does, because that's the name of the shark, I guess, but whatever, I guess if we're going with that. But yeah, so we're going to have that on there, and then I, uh, I believe we'll have a new commentary track that July coming up. It's going to be exciting. That'll be fun, and you can get fun more. Summer. I mean, look, if you're, if you're thinking right now, like, God, I can't wait for that. That's going to be so exciting, and it's going to be so much fun. Guess what? You could just go to www.patreon.com slash Halloweeniespod and get the commentary track right now. We'll give you a tease. We'll give you a little taste. A little taste. A little blood in the water. A taste. You know? Well, you heard him. We're going to drag you to hell in June, and we're going to step in the light. But as always, we hope that you join, join us. us. Join us. Join us. This is the end of our show. For now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs> <laughs>